0: DJ, he he knows I doesn't I don't like this, so he uh, he goes big. Well, um, <laughs> so good to have you with us. Love the noon crew. Uh, we got to sleep in a little bit, maybe had a little bit watch party of the Seahawks. 10 a.m. Uh, for those of you who are DVRing the game, you can plug your ears, but we're up 20 to three, so that's uh, that's good news. Good things are happening. Uh, But love the noon, so glad you are here, and I guess Merry Christmas is in order, right? As we are five days away from the big day, 120 hours from liftoff, and the question of all questions is, are you ready? No. Is the Christmas shopping done? No. Uh, I'm not sure Amazon, I'm not sure they still guarantee delivery. Uh, by Christmas at this point, not sure when that deadline is, Uh, but if you've missed it, you'll be forced to uh, Christmas shop the old-fashioned way by going to the mall. And if you do go to the mall, I will be praying for you because it is a jungle out there. It is crazy. No lie. Uh, About a week ago on a Saturday, uh, my wife Kim asked me if I'd go to the mall to pick up a few things for Christmas. She does the overwhelming majority of our Christmas shopping. So I said, honey, I got this. I didn't got this, <laughs> all right? I discovered in like five minutes of shopping, I didn't got this at all. I mean, it, it is crazy out there. It's stressful. I mean, people are mad uh, in the parking lot. People are honking. I had one person tell me I'm number one with a particular hand gesture <laughs> that I wasn't too excited about. I'm like, this is supposed to be a season of joy, you know? My goodness. So if you are one of those uh, weird people who like to shop the day before Christmas, and you're like, I like the buzz. I like the vibe. I like the energy. It's like, I'll be praying for you, okay? Uh, uh, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. No, I'm just kidding. But, But however you Christmas shop, hopefully you're getting that done and getting that all wound up. Uh, We are excited, it's a Christmas season, and uh, we've been in a Christmas series called Oh Holy Night, and we've been talking about the birth of Jesus, uh, really that profound night that alters the course of history, that night that echoes throughout all eternity, that because Jesus was born, everything has changed. And uh, and his birth is still the most widely known birth of all time. If you're wondering when that is, we celebrate it December 25th. His life is still uh, the most studied life of any person on the planet. Think about this. His life and death separates time from B.C. to A.D. And uh, we've been enjoying this Christmas series that because Jesus has come, everything has changed. Hope has come. Light has dawned. Love is here. And I want to add one final installment, one last chapter to this series, and we will wrap this up. Does that sound okay? right on. Uh, Speaking of wrapping things up, we are just days away from wrapping up 2020. Anyone else just the least bit excited about that? Just a a little bit? Uh, We're 12 hours, 288, 12 days, 288 hours, whatever, uh, from wrapping up this year. Uh, It's been quite a year. It's been pretty crazy. And I came across Google's top searches for 2020. All right, every year Google puts out a list of top searches for that year. Uh, I, I, I found this list. I think these are kind of fun. They're fascinating, so I'll share them with you. Google's top searches for 2020 number one, election. Hmm. Number two, COVID. And number three, this one will take you back a little bit, uh, Kobe Bryant. As this year we lost a legend, a Hall of Famer, uh, one of my favorite players in the NBA passed away. I won't lie to you, when I saw him on this list, I forgot that was this year. Because if you didn't know, this year has been 27 years. I'm not sure you understand that. It's been like three decades. So, uh, so that seems so long ago. Um, the top Google search in the beauty category, how to cut your own hair from home. You remember that? How early on this year, uh, we discovered really quickly who of our friends were closet beauticians and barbers and who of our friends clearly were not. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, some people were walking around with like perfect haircuts and blends and and all my friends were. But uh, then there was those of us, uh, we were walking around with like the world's worst mullet because, you know, I could cut the front, but I couldn't the back and I didn't know what was going on. So so anyway, uh, that was fun. Top Google search for how to make. How to make, number one, hand sanitizer. Remember that? We thought we'd run out. The world would come to an end. Number two, face masks. How to make face masks. And number three, alcohol. (laughs) I'm not sure if this is for the hand sanitizer or if this is just a rough year. Just sums it up. I'm not sure. But those were the top Google searches for how to make. Top Google searched movie. Parasite. I, I've never seen it, never even heard of it, but I thought the title alone was very fitting uh, for 2020. Um, top Google search for where is my where is my stimulus money? Where's my money? <laughs> right? Top Google search for TV shows. Now this one, <laughs> this one, I'll be honest with you. If this does not epitomize, if this does not underscore, how bored we got in quarantine. If this does not say it all for how bored we were in quarantine, the number one, this makes me embarrassed to be a human. The number, top Google search for TV show, number one, Tiger King. (laughs) Lord, help us. And number two, Cobra Kai. We're still obsessed with like a 55-year-old Daniel LaRusso in a fight with Johnny. I love it. We're never going to get over it. So those were the top TV shows. And this one, I'll end with this one. The top Google search for where to buy. Where to buy. Number one, PlayStation 5, a PS5. That's been all the rage. Where do I get it? Just tell me where to show up and I'll bring $10,000 or whatever it is it costs. And number two, toilet paper. Where to buy toilet paper. As you remember, earlier this year, toilet paper was all the rage. If you had it, you were elite. Uh, You were the creme de la creme. Everybody wanted to be you. Your friends were calling you. Do you got it? I got it. Come over. I mean, toilet paper. Now, the irony is we want to take this toilet paper and just kind of wipe away 2020, don't we? We just kind of want to put an end to this year. But before we usher in a new year, we're excited because we have Christmas coming up. And, uh, and I want to uh, add just a little P.S. to this Christmas series, Oh Holy Night, share with you a couple things along the lines of the power of Christmas, share with you a very few quick truths that you can cling to, just a few short points that you can hang your hat on this Christmas season, and then I will be done so you can get out there and finish that Christmas shopping. Does that sound good? All right. Well, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for our time together. We thank you, Jesus, that the season is about you. It's not cliche. You are the reason for the season. And we pray we'd keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith, that this Christmas season, we'd experience your joy, your peace, and your love in our lives. We pray that this season, we could have peace in the midst of a crazy, chaotic year in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to read to you Matthew chapter 1, Matthew 1. Uh, the story of Jesus, the Christmas story, is ultimately uh, documented in both Matthew and Luke, uh, from kind of an earthly perspective. John, on the other hand, he depicts the Christmas stories from kind of a heavenly perspective, and that's kind of interesting to read John chapter one there. Uh, but but these verses are very familiar. Uh, we read them these time this time of year. Nevertheless, uh, they are powerful, and we want to make sure they don't lose their luster, their their importance, uh, as they're some of the most powerful words to ever. Be spoke. So I want to read to you Matthew 1 uh, because I like this text and I like this guy's name. So Matthew 1 in verse 18, it says, this is how the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now listen, before Jesus had even been born, his earthly family is already experiencing a little bit of a funk, right? Just, just a wee bit. In fact, if you want to see an even bigger funk, you can move into Matthew 1, the beginning verses, and read the genealogy of Jesus, because he had some crazies in his earthly family. I mean, you read their stories, you're like, wow, and it's proof and evidence that God can use any of us. But if you have some characters, if you have some crazies in your family, it's okay. So did Jesus. And uh, there's hope for us all. So verse 20, it says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of a sudden, this occurred. all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Now stop there. Because what we are about to read is arguably some of the most profound words that have ever been spoke. What we are about to read is unarguably some of the most important words for us. They are game changers. Yet we can miss it because the story becomes so familiar. It's in verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. Stop there. Here it is. Seemingly unassuming. Seemingly inconspicuous. Seemingly inconspicuous. Yet some of the most powerful words to ever be spoke, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. One scholar, one theologian summarized it this way. He said, you can summarize Christmas with three words, God with us. One name, Emmanuel, three words, God with us. This is a game changer that God came to us. See, God combined with his deity, his godness, humanity, our humanness, and he laid aside perfection in heaven to come to this imperfect world. He was born to an ordinary teenage mom, he was birthed in a lowly manger. The first sounds Jesus heard were not the sounds of kings and queens talking, but rather sheeps and goats ba-ing, or whatever sheeps and goats do. I, I don't know. But this baby became a man, the God-man. He lived a perfect life. He died a gruesome death. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And because he did, we can be saved in every sense of the word. Because he did, we can be freed in every sense of the word. See, Christmas simply put is this. God came to us because we couldn't get to him. See, Christmas is not only beautiful with the lights and the trees and the decor. Christmas is not only beautiful, it's powerful. It's God coming to us. It's a perfect mixture of beauty and power, kind of like D.K. Metcalf, right? (laughs) It's beautiful and it's powerful. It's God coming to us. One author said it like this. I like this. He said, Emmanuel is saying God moved into the neighborhood. Emmanuel, Christmas is God moved into the neighborhood. God took up real estate in our community. And it's good he came 2,000 years ago because even now if God came, he might have sticker shock with home prices. But anyway, that's just a side note. But it's God moving into the community, God wanting to be with us. That's a game changer. This word Emmanuel is derived from two original words. The first word is El. Uh, maybe you've heard that for El. It means God. Maybe you've heard a name for God like El Shaddai or Elohim. It means God. It's also combined with this word Manu, which means with us. So this word Emmanuel can ultimately be transliterated or interpreted God with us or the with us God. The with us God. And I like the sound of that, that he's the with us God. You know, God could have come to this world any way he wanted to. He could have chose not to come at all. He could have been the stay away, mad, angry, distant God. He could have chose to come as the you better have this room cleaned up before I come back God. He could have been the uh, do better, try harder God. But he wasn't and he's not. He's the God with us. He's Emmanuel. He's the God who wanted to be with us because he loves us. That's the kind of God we serve, a God who wants to be with us, even in all of our mess and chaos, that he loves us and wants to be with us. To personalize this a little bit, he's not only God with us, he's God with you. He's God with me. You know, when we walk through some of the most difficult moments of our life, when we face some of the most difficult seasons, he's God with you. When you're working two jobs trying to raise a family and find yourself exhausted, he's Emmanuel, he's God with you. When the doctor calls and you realize it will be a long road ahead for you and your family, he's God with you. You. When you look at the stack of bills on your countertop and they just keep accumulating, and you have no idea how you're ever going to pay them off, He is Emmanuel, He is God with you. And Christmas summarizes that even when we feel isolated and alone, even when we feel that we don't know where to turn, even when our emotions are out of whack, and we realize this is the year that he or she will not be with us this Christmas, he is Emmanuel, he is God with us, and he wanted to be with you and me. That's the kind of God we serve. That's good news. That is the good news of Christmas, that he came to us because we couldn't get to him. Christmas is not only beautiful, it's powerful, it's God with us. So along those lines, I want to share with you just a few quick thoughts, just a few quick points of God with us, dot, dot, dot. Because Jesus came, because Jesus came, dot, 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 number one, we can experience peace in the middle of chaos. Because Jesus came, we can experience peace in the middle of chaos. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, prophesied that a Messiah would come hundreds of years before the Messiah came. And he said the Messiah will have these four names. He will be number one, wonderful counselor. And I don't know about you, but in a year like 2020, I've needed a wonderful counselor. I've needed the counsel of the word of God because, man, right? Right? Wonderful counselor, number two, mighty God. What does that mean? It means he's strong on our behalf, that when we're weak, he's strong. Everlasting Father means he was there in the beginning. He has no end. He's there for us. And lastly, this is my favorite. This is powerful. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Paul writes it like this in Ephesians 2, verse 14. He writes to the church in Ephesus that God is our peace. See, what I love about this is God not only provides peace, he is peace. His very person is peace. He embodies peace. When his presence shows up, peace shows up also. And the reason we can experience peace in the middle of chaos is because Jesus is always there. And somehow, even in life's weirdest Most messed up seasons, he can provide for us a peace. Even facing years like 2020, we can still rely on God to be our peace. What kind of peace does he provide? He provides peace of every kind, Uh, eternal peace. What's that? By knowing him, we have confidence that we'll spend eternity with him. What else does he provide? Internal peace, that our hearts and souls can have peace. What other kind of peace? Peace with one another. In fact, we could summarize it like this. Jesus came that we might have peace with God, the peace of God, and peace with one another. That we might have peace in every sense of the word. Now, we realize it's a work in progress. We realize we don't all have this down. But when we lean on him, he really does provide a peace. Midway through this year, I got a phone call uh, from a friend, a family, and I knew right away it wasn't a good call. Any of you ever have that? You just know right away that this isn't good. And on the other end of the line, uh, my friend was crying, and he shared with me that his mother had tragically passed. Unexpected. This was sudden. He didn't see this coming. His family was crushed. His kids are broken. Uh, They're devastated. He said, Matt, I don't know what we're going to do. We talked some more. As we ended the phone call, he said something fascinating. He said in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of all this, somehow there is a peace over our family. How does that happen? Emmanuel, God with us, that he's the prince of peace. Doesn't mean everything gets better. Doesn't mean it all works out, but it means somehow we know he's there. A couple months ago, a friend of mine in ministry passed, and it has been devastating. It's been crushing for his family, watching them post on social media things like, Thanksgiving wasn't the same without Dad there. And I'm not sure what this Christmas will look like without him in the picture. And it's heartbreaking, and it's gut-wrenching, and it's crushing. Yet his daughter just posted something this week beautiful, and and I don't remember it word for word, but something to the extent that in the midst of this chaos, he provides for us a peace. In the midst of this, he's with our family. How does that happen? Because he's Emmanuel, because he's the prince of peace, and even when we walk through the darkest times, the most difficult seasons, he's there with us, and we don't understand it all. We can't comprehend it all, but we know He's there. Ephesians 4.7, uh, Philippians 4.7, Paul writes to the church in Philippi these words, very familiar verse, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that somehow God in his infinite wisdom Somehow God, in his amazing grace, at times where we need him the most, at the darkest moments of our life, somehow he covers us. And it goes beyond our logic, it goes beyond our intellect, it goes beyond our understanding, but somehow we know he's there. And he's with us through some of life's most difficult circumstances. And he wraps his arms around us. Like many of you parents, um, I, uh, I helped teach my kid how to ride a bike, um, Any you parents involved in that job, uh, the illustrious role of helping the kid ride a bike. I won't lie to you, I found the entire experience petrifying, <laughs> I did, uh, stressful uh, I felt totally inept. Uh, in fact, I still think we should be able to have some experts we can call to have do it for us because it's it's hard. Like it's it's scary. I'm always afraid they're going to fall. And you take this perfectly good child and you place him on this bike, and you know it has two wheels and they're just sitting on it and rocking. You're like, this is not going to end well, you know. And, and and they look uncoordinated and they look it just doesn't look good. <laughs> All my kids are a little bit different. My oldest daughter Olivia, she was more our risk taker, our daredevil growing up, and uh, she was a type, you know, give me a jump, you know, and and she was a type like the second day she learned how to ride a bike, I thought she was ready for a Harley, rum rum, you know, she was ready for the next level, the next step. My middle daughter Estella, she's a whole different bag. She she was more reserved. A little bit more collected, and she looked about as stressed out riding a bike as I was teaching her how to ride a bike. And I can still vividly recall her looking up at me. I have my hand on the handlebars of her bike, and her looking up at me with her big eyes. And she's like, "Daddy, don't let go," <laughs> you know. And I'm walking alongside her, and you know how that that little trot goes. You're kind of trying to stay away from the pedals, and you're hoping no one looks because you look kind of like an idiot. You know what I mean? You're running along, and and she's like, "Daddy, don't let go." And I'm like, "Stella, I'm here. I won't let go." And I'm 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 running alongside with her. Uh, this goes on for a while. "Daddy, don't let go. I won't let go." I, I'm here. Well, eventually you have to let go, right? I mean, it's kind of brutal, but, but you have to let go if they're ever going to learn to ride, and I let go, and no lie, like 20 feet, it wasn't more than maybe 15 feet later, her bike topples over, she plummets onto the pavement, she start, I, I'm laughing, I shouldn't be laughing, right? It's like the dad of the year, right? Um, but she she's on the pavement and she starts crying hysterically and I'm like ah you know so I run over there and I pick her up and I'm hugging her and I'm brushing her off and then I'm making sure Kim didn't see because I would be in big trouble you know <laughs> all the dads know what I'm talking about yeah and so so I share this story because maybe it's relatable but I think when we face stressful seasons I think when we face fearful moments. What we need to know the most is that our Father God is with us and he won't let go. I think sometimes what we need reminded of is he's with us and he won't let go. When we face financial crisis, when we face family crisis, when we face crisis in our health and crisis amongst relationships and crisis at work, I think sometimes what we need to know is that God is with us and he won't let go. And even when we do fall, what I love is he's there to pick us back up and brush us off and put us right back on the path that we're meant to walk. And the reason we can experience peace in the midst of chaos isn't because life always goes the way we want it to go because it doesn't. And it's not because things always go according to plan because they usually do not. The reason we can have peace in the midst of chaos is because we know he is there with us through it all. And he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus' last words, while ascending into heaven is "Lo, I am with you always, even until the end. And he sticks closer than a brother, the word says. And so we can have peace in chaos because we know he is there. Secondly, because Jesus came dot, 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 we can experience joy in every season. We can experience joy in every season. I think sometimes, uh, if you're anything like me, you can uh, interpret joy and happiness as one and the same. That, uh, that joy and happiness are synonymous with one another. and They're interchangeable. But from a biblical perspective, they really are not. Um, Actually, happiness, when you study this out for all intents and purposes, is more of an emotion. Um, It comes, it goes, it ebbs, it flows. You You can experience something that makes you happy. You can experience something else that makes you sad. Happiness is situational oftentimes. It's conditional. It's circumstantial. But joy from a biblical perspective is very different. Joy from a biblical perspective is foundational. It's unconditional. We can have joy in every season. Why? Because our joy isn't in the season. Our joy is in Jesus. Our joy is in him. He is our joy. Happiness and joy are very different. One of my favorite quotes on joy, there's a couple of them I want to share with you. One of them is by a theologian by the name of Henry Nowen. It's actually Nowen. That says Howen, but we can change his name. He won't know. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. So here, Henry Nouwen brings in this thought that joy is a choice. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And ultimately, it is a choice because our joy is in Jesus, and we choose him every day in his plan, even though sometimes it takes faith, sometimes it's tough, sometimes it's not easy. But we choose to have joy because our joy is in him, and we trust his plan for our lives. Maybe my favorite quote on joy, it's by um, uh, the lead singer of U2, Bono. And he, he's also a humanitarian, does some great things around the world. But I love this quote, especially for this year. Joy is an act of defiance. Think about that for a minute. Joy is an act of defiance. Why? Because nobody is choosing joy. Most people are just choosing whatever the situation brings. I'll choose whatever emotion goes along with that. To choose joy is to go against the flow. To choose joy is to go against the grain. To choose joy is to go uh, against the norms and swim upstream and fight the undercurrent of compromise and fight the undercurrent of strife and choose joy. That takes faith. That takes a whole lot of faith. But it's going against the grain. It's saying, I'm not going to do what everyone else does. When everyone else is choosing negativity, I'll choose joy. When everyone else is choosing bitterness, I'm going to choose joy. When everyone else is choosing strife, I'm going to choose joy. Why? Because my joy isn't in that season. My joy is in my Savior. My joy is in Jesus. And I can find my joy in Him in any season I go through. We can choose joy in Him. Wow. Wow. Paul in Philippians uses the word joy 16 times, 16 times in this short book, but that's not what's most profound. What's most profound isn't how many times Paul uses the word joy, but rather where Paul is when he writes the book of Philippians. Paul isn't basking in some beach on a, you know, white sand tropical island in Maui, though that sounds really good. Paul is not in some cabana, laying in some hammock, you know, in the Bahamas. When Paul writes the book of Philippians, he's in prison. It's one of his four prison epistles. And yet Paul has the audacity, the gall, the nerve to speak of joy. In fact, many who look at this book, Philippians, to use one word, one theme for it would call it the joy epistle. How? Because maybe Paul realizes something we all need to realize from time to time. I know I do. Is that joy doesn't come from a season. Joy comes from our Savior. Our joy is in Jesus. And regardless of the season we are in, we can choose joy in him. Sometimes it's choosing faith. Faith in that joy, faith in Jesus, but we can still choose it. James, a half-brother of Jesus, uh, writes in James 1-2, count it pure joy when you face various trials. You know, say what? How can he say that? I mean, it sounds like some of the dumbest words to ever say. I mean, how can I call this joy? I'm facing a difficult time. I'm facing a difficult season. I'm facing difficult. Because maybe James realizes something I need to realize from time to time. You need to realize from time to time that joy is not in the season. Joy is in our Savior. And we can choose joy in any season because he is there. There are some seasons it's easier to choose joy than others. There's some days it's easier to choose joy than others. There's some years it's easier to choose joy than others, but we can have joy in Jesus because he has put us here. He is our joy and he has a purpose for it all. A few years back, I uh, got to know uh, one of the coaches of the Seahawks and uh, uh, he wanted to go in ministry. So him and I would talk and And we would talk Bible. Uh, He let me into a couple closed Seahawk practices. So I think we had a good, mutually beneficial relationship. Maybe I got the better end of the deal. I don't know. But uh, he coached with uh, Pete Carroll for 16 years. And uh, he was pivotal in their 2014 Super Bowl win. Uh, uh, Just an incredible guy. But he shared with me, following the 2014 Super Bowl win, uh, the entire coaching staff, the front office, were confused, perplexed. Because many of the players were down. And he said, Matt, it was like nothing I ever saw before. He said, I've coached many years, but uh, players were down. He said, I'd get calls in the wee hours of the night, uh, players crying, sobbing, depressed. And he said, see, they had spent their entire lives working for this moment. They had spent their entire lives trying to win a Super Bowl. I mean, as young boys playing football in the backyard, they would dream of winning a Super Bowl. When they would go to two-a-day practices for high school with the hot sun uh, beating down on them and sweat off their brow, uh, they would dream of winning a Super Bowl. And now that they had finally won a Super Bowl, it wasn't all they thought it would be. And perhaps they realized something that all of us at one point realized in their context. They realized that Super Bowl wins while incredible, don't by themselves produce joy. Lombardi trophies, while amazing, in and of themselves don't produce joy. Awards and achievements, though great by themselves, don't produce joy. If you can't find joy without them, you'll never find joy with them. If you can't find joy before them, you'll never find joy after them. Because joy is not found in a season. Joy is found in our Savior. Our joy is in Him. Now, that being said, I sure hope we win the Super Bowl this year. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Says, well, they don't bring happiness. They sure don't bring sadness either. You know what I mean? (laughs) Want to raise up that Lombardi trophy one more time. Go Russ. Keep cooking. Point number three, and we'll close with this. Because Jesus came, dot, 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 number three, we can experience the love of God. Because Jesus came, we can experience the love of God If we were to go home today, turn on the TV, watch any NFL game, and the stadium had fans, we remember what that used to look like, we might find a fan in the stadium who, for whatever reason, had particularly good seats who's holding a sign like this. John 3.16, one of the most widely known, memorized, quoted verses in the Bible uh, that God so loved the world That he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Powerful verse, foundational verse, and yet many times we forget it's also a Christmas verse. Because Jesus came to us, because God loved us, he gave his son for us, and that is why he came. Because he loved you, he loved me, and he wanted to spend eternity with us. Uh, those of you who know me, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a dog guy. I love dogs. We're a dog family. Um, we have a one-year-old golden retriever uh, by the name of Leo. And, uh, um, uh, again, I love dogs. I'm not real fond of cats. Cats just come with the house. Uh, dogs actually are part of the family. Um, I'm just kidding. If you're a cat person, uh, I do like cats. But so... We love dogs. We have a great dog. He's a one-year-old golden retriever, and he is the world's best worst dog. Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) He is the world's best worst dog. Uh, If you've seen the movie Marley and Me, it's actual an autobiography. It's a depiction of our everyday life with this dog. He is a mixture of insanity and incredible all at once, and he's crazy. On December 7th, our one-year-old golden retriever turned one, and uh, so we did what any crazy dog family does. (laughs) We threw a party, and we wrapped up a couple dog toys. He had no idea what was going on, but we had fun, and and gave him a couple dog bones. Uh, I also posted this picture of Leo on Instagram. No, 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 a picture before. So I posted this picture, right? Beautiful, majestic dog. I mean, look at that dog. Who doesn't love that dog? I mean, that dog is sitting obediently. That dog is smiling, tongue hanging out of his mouth. I mean, uh, the sun is hitting its fur just so. The autumn leaves make for this beautiful backdrop. I mean, who wouldn't want that dog? Who wouldn't love that dog? No more than two hours after posting this picture, this is what I was experiencing this is a different dog. No more than two hours after posting the first picture, this is the second picture. I'm laying on the couch with a blanket on for no reason. My dog comes, grabs a blanket, and starts playing tug-of-war with me. I didn't do anything. I didn't instigate this. He just attacked. Okay, so He's pulling the blanket. As you can see, it's fraying. It's actually beginning to rip. This is the third blanket he has ripped this month if you were to sell a dog, you wouldn't want to post that picture. You wouldn't have many responses, right? If you look in the background, the reason there's a gate up is because he began to eat our entertainment center. So we had to put a gate up to stop him from doing that. Just Friday night, he ate our elf on the shelf. Yeah, try to explain that to the kids, right? Um, So elf, right? We're going to have a little, uh, anyway, we're not going to have an elf anymore. But this, is, this dog isn't as lovable, okay, at this moment. And when I thought of these two pictures, I looked at them and I thought, hmm. In many ways, these two pictures can represent you and me, our lives. Why? Because we love to post the first picture, don't we? We love to present and portray the first picture. I mean, we got it all together. This beautiful, majestic picture, and and all is well, and all is perfect. And I, I have it all together. But the reality is we have a little bit of the second picture as well. We all have a little bit of mess in our lives, don't we? We all have a little bit of tension in our lives. And it might not show up front and center on Instagram, it might not be what we post for everyone else to see, but we know we have it. And we have a little bit of beautiful in the first picture and a little bit of mess in the second. Yet what I love about Jesus is Jesus came to this world because he loves our beautiful and he loves our mess. He loves the first picture and he loves the second picture. He loves the parts. We love to say, yeah, I got it all together. And the parts, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not so willing or like to talk about, but it's there but he loves us completely. And that's what Christmas is all about, that he came to us knowing that we're beautiful and messy and all these things, but he wanted to spend eternity with us. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes with me, maybe stand up, we're gonna close in worship, and let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you came to this world, that you came to us in the midst of our beautiful, in the midst of our mess, And you gave your life for us. In this Christmas season, I pray your joy, your peace, and your love would abound in our homes, our families, our lives. That you would be with us. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never invited him to be your Lord and Savior, you can just pray a prayer. Jesus, I love you. I need you. I want you in my life. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe in you. I choose you. As Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray for every person, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, that we would experience your grace, your mercy, and your love this Christmas season. I pray for those in particular facing a stressful season, a storm, be it in their minds, in their finances, in their situations. I pray that you'd cover them, that you'd be peace in the midst of the season. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for being the God that came to us when we couldn't get to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's spend a couple moments worshiping and then we will close.